Rumor is that they had a warning. Rumor is, you know, it was a Black Hat reviews, and that warning came in January. And then in the last two or three weeks, all of the reviews have been wiped out. Like, you know, do you see all the uh, basically random people just selling a shitty product with their fi- uh, picture now? Yeah, 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 exactly. I would think of two things about this. One is this is an opportune time if you're a greens business to be on Amazon and blast like Bloom is gone. Yeah, bid heavy. Yeah, bid heavy, become the number one bestseller and don't give that badge away. Yeah. You know, Athletic Greens still isn't taking advantage of this opportunity and they must have a reason why. Uh, but like, you know, this is a good opportunity for these other guys like Amazing Greens or Country Farm Super Greens yeah. or, or Gain or Simply Blossom, all of which are in the same space to take advantage of that. This is Limited Supply, the place for refreshingly real takes on what D2C is really like. We're your hosts, Nick and Moyes. Let's start talking about money. Hundreds of direct consumer brands use Tatari's platform to buy and measure TV ads just like digital. They have deep publisher relationships that give you the best CPMs on linear and streaming TV. Check out their three-minute demo video at tatari.tv slash limited supply. Okay, Nick, this is episode seven, season five, I think it is, or four. I'm, I'm lost as to what season it is. <laughs> I'm lost We too. just finished a workout and there's a bunch of stuff to talk about. The episode that we're recording right now drops in just a couple days, so it's super topical as well. I wanted to talk about three things, so I'm just going to jump right into it. Let's do it. The first is Bloom. Do you know Bloom? Uh, There's three Blooms. Okay, yeah. This is a Bloom that's an Athletic Greens competitor. Okay, yeah. Bloom Bloom? Nutrition. Yeah, Bloom Nutrition. What are the other two Blooms, really? Uh, There's Bloom, which is a almost like a tea powder business out of Canada. Okay. And then there's Bloom.com, B-L-U-M-E.com, which is skincare. Okay, well, Bloom Nutrition just got kicked off of Amazon. Did you know No way. Yeah. Seriously? Yes. Look it up right now. What? Uh, they That's just got crazy. kicked off of Amazon. They were like on the homepage of Amazon not too long ago. So uh, they're off of Amazon. Uh, you'll see like all what? their products were kicked off. They, they might have restarted them. Like third parties might have started selling them again, but it's not Bloom that's selling them. I think. Oh, yeah. Them. These collections pages are blank. Yeah. Uh, there's no reviews. And the rumors are that they were doing $10 million a month on Amazon, $120 million a year on Amazon. And wow. They're big in Target as well, so it's not like the yeah and Walmart. I think they're the number one greens in Walmart. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. They've got over five thousand reviews on one SKU in Walmart. Uh, on like Walmart.com. Yeah. The hard part with like the dot coms is you can bring in your own reviews from mm, your website. That's a good to point. With Bizarre uh, Voice. Yeah. yeah. Like not just Bizarre Voice. When we were at Native, we were going to Target, and Target's like you need to use Bizarre Voice in order to get your reviews onto our site, and we contacted yeah. Bizarre Voice, and they're like. I think they said that they own their uh, our reviews if we give them to them. And they're like, moving forward, your reviews are actually our reviews. We own this. And you can't <laughs> ever have our reviews review. again. And so we're like, no, we're not going to do that. And so we worked with Target to give them like a CSV of all what? our reviews. And they just uploaded them all. Oh, wow. So the day we launched uh, native at Target.com. They, so they, they yeah, don't even have to 10, vet it? reviews. They didn't. I don't believe that there was like, you know... Any vetting like wow. that. Wow. Correct. Were you ever able to download Amazon reviews or is that not, not no, able? Yeah, okay, no, yeah. That's not uh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but Bloom was doing over $10 million a month. They're still big in Walmart. They're still big in Target. Their business is not over. Any idea? There's rumors as to why it's off of Amazon now. Any idea why? You want to um, take a guess? Yeah, a couple guesses. One is reviews, something to do with like gaming reviews. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> 
Wow. Uh, so I've heard that. I, I'm sorry. I, I was just looking about on Amazon. Like, yeah, all of the reviews are gone. So, like, you know, you look at these products now. It has eight reviews, 2.7 stars, one yeah. review, three stars, one review, five stars, 12 reviews, 2.5 stars. Just looking at Bloom right now on Amazon before they had thousands of reviews, these products. And so, you know, the rumor is that they were running black hat review funnels. Mm. So what they did, uh, apparently they got a warning. Uh, all of this is rumor. So, uh, you know, no one at Bloom has told me anything. I've just heard this through the grapevine. Uh, they got a warning from Amazon in January and didn't stop a review funnel. And the review funnel was basically putting a QR code on their bottle. Again, this is rumor. I didn't I didn't see this yet. And if you scan the QR code, they'd say, hey, what do you think of Bloom Nutrition? And you're like, I love it. They're like, here, leave, leave a review on uh, Amazon.com. Oh, you don't like it? Okay, uh, don't leave. Like, you know, tell us why. Here's an email. And that's illegal? Mm-hmm. What? That's not even, that's not that black hat. That's not like, oh, let me hire a bunch of people at $2 an hour to just write, you know, buy the product, write reviews. Yeah, that's right. You know who does this uh, all over the place is apps on the Apple App Store. If you're using them, they're like, do you love this app? Right. I was going to say Hinge, but that's a bad example. (laughs) Do you love the New York Times? Yes. Leave a review. No. Okay. Yeah. Tell us why. No, no. They don't even say tell us why. Just keep using the app. Yeah. Fair. And so like, you know, the reviews on the app store are gamed in that way. They've actually made it even easier now. You don't even have to go to the app store. You can put the stars in, in the prompt Mm. and, and then you can choose to leave a comment and go there. But, Uh, okay. Wow. So that's totally fine on the, by the FTC. Yeah. But this is not. This isn't an FTC thing. This This is is just an Amazon Amazon thing. Yeah. Amazon is like, Hey, look, you're gaming reviews. A long time ago, people would be doing this on Facebook like there was no tomorrow. Buy one, get two free. Or uh, buy one, get it for free. What, what you do is you'd click a Facebook ad and they'd, they'd take you to a messenger bot. Yeah. And they'd say, uh, buy this item, send us your order number, show us your five-star review, and we will send you an Amazon gift certificate for the same amount, or we'll send you two free. Wow. Uh, and like that's how people would game Amazon reviews. In 2017, like I clicked on one of, I mean, it might still be happening, frankly. I clicked on one of those ads in, I don't know, 2017, 2018. For the next three months, those are the only ads I saw. Buy one, get two free. Buy one, wow. get 10 free on Amazon. Get this for free. And like, it'd be high priced items. You know, it'd be $70 or $100 item. And they're like, buy one, get three free. Just do what it takes to wow. get like to game a five-star review. That's crazy. Um, and so I, I see those a lot less on Facebook. It doesn't mean that they're not yeah, happening Yeah, that anymore. sounds fair to be black hat, but yeah. this almost doesn't. This is like, you're putting a QR code that goes back to Amazon. Uh, well, at first, the QR code says, what do you think of this product? Yeah. Then if you say, I love this I guess product, because it yeah. qualifies. So if there wasn't the qualification, it would have been totally fine. I think that's, I, I'm not sure. I don't know yeah. enough about it. And this is all con- like rumor as well. Yeah. So I, I wonder I too, if then they had separate, variants just for Amazon versus like, like yeah, because other because yeah, if you sure. go to shop this thing in Target and yeah. leave an Amazon review, that would that yes. would make sense. Yes. Yeah, wow. you wouldn't be a verified purchaser right. that kind of stuff. But apparently rumor is that they had a warning. Rumor is, you know, it was black hat reviews and that warning came in January. And then in the last two or three weeks, all of the reviews have been wiped out. Like, you know, do you see all the uh, basically random people just selling a shitty product with their fi- uh, picture now? Yeah, 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 exactly. I would think of two things about this. One is this is an opportune time if you're a greens business to be on Amazon and blasting like Bloom is gone. Yeah, bid heavy. Yeah, bid heavy, become the number one bestseller and don't give that badge away. Yeah. 
you know, Athletic Greens still isn't taking advantage of this opportunity and they must have a reason why. Uh, but like, you know, this is a good opportunity for these other guys like Amazing Greens or Country Eight Farm greens. Super Greens yeah. or, or Gain or Simply Blossom, all of which are in the same space to take advantage of that. That is crazy. The other thing that I think about this is this is the reason that Amazon businesses are have a discount to direct-to-consumer businesses. You still don't mm -hmm. control your own fate on Amazon. This is a $120 million a year business on Amazon gone in a snap. Yeah, that's crazy. That, like, you know, think about if you're the CEO, investor, chief marketing officer, the guy who's responsible for Amazon business at Blooms. Yeah. If you're the guy who's responsible, like, you know, the, you run the Amazon business for Blooms. What the fuck are you doing right now? Yeah. Like, you know, uh, how do you, what are you thinking right now? Yeah. And what, if you're the CEO, what are you thinking right now? Right. And, you know, if you're the investors or the board, I mean, chances are you can probably get this back in, a, you know, six months or something, but that's 60 million, you know, your yearly projections are now off by $40 million. Yeah. Because presumably you won't get this back by December. I think luckily it is bootstrapped, which is one less headache for them. Oh, but for them. Yeah. I can't, I feel so bad for the Amazon guy there. Yeah. He's probably just shitting his pants yeah, right that's now. that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Damn. But anyway, I, I really think that's why these businesses have a huge discount. Like, you know- Amazon businesses were always trading at like 2x and 3x revenue. And people were like, why is it trade at 2 or 3x revenue? It should trade at a higher multiple. I'm yeah. sorry, 2 or 3x EBITDA should trade at a higher multiple. Why does direct-to-consumer garner a higher multiple? Yep. You know, people would be like, okay, Amazon, you have to pay a tax to uh, Amazon when you make a sale. You know, Direct-to-consumer, you have to pay a tax to Facebook when you make a sale. Right. But the reality is this doesn't happen when like on Facebook generally isn't like we're shutting down an ad account. Like, you know, they're like, we might not approve these ads. But like once you're a big size business, that you rarely see ad businesses shut down on Facebook. Yeah, the way this was overnight on Amazon. Yeah, we have a a brand um, we work with that was spending a couple hundred grand a day on Facebook. Their yeah. ad account went down, and within six hours, it was back. Yeah, because you know you can talk to somebody. You know, yeah. they're like you just talk to somebody, and they're like, "Yeah, we want this business." You know, all that kind of like you know. At some point, once you're spending enough money, you make relationships with people right. on Facebook who are like, "We're going to vouch for you, and like you're going to you're going to fix your behavior, and we're going to make this right." But in Amazon, it's much more of a black box, and it's much yeah. harder to do. And they they're like, "Look, we've got a lot of uh, monopsony power here when it comes to like uh, you know being the only platform where people sell." And so. Uh, yeah, they're still going to get the sale. It's just going to be another brand. That's so right. For them, it, that's that right. doesn't even matter. That, that is actually, yeah, that is yeah. really true. Yeah. Uh, they're still going to get the sale. Anyway, I thought this wow. was crazy. Nobody's been really talking about it. I was yeah. spending the last couple of weeks, or like the last week. How, how recent is this? Last two weeks. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Maybe no last one's, three No one's talked about this since. Yeah. I've been like trying to find more information. I've been going around asking a bunch of Amazon people, uh, like people who sell on Amazon. Some of them have heard about it. Not everybody. Rumor is that it's, reviews, there was a warning, it's down. The product pages, all the reviews are down. You'd have to rebuild all those things. It's going to be hard to win that bestseller badge back. You know, all of your subscriptions mm -hmm. were probably canceled, you know? Oh. Uh, like, you know, you spent all this time trying to get subscribers and yeah. gone overnight. Damn. That's uh, crazy. I yeah. totally forgot about that. Yeah. So it is a big loss. This is why Amazon businesses are discounted. And I think it's right that they're discounted. You know, you got to be more careful when you get to be a big business. Uh, yeah. You can't take the same risks that you... Like, if you're a young business, maybe you can take more risks. You, I'm certain you can take more risks, but, like, this is why Tide or, uh, you know, Athletic Greens probably can't take the same risk as these guys can. Right. And these guys probably shouldn't have taken yeah. this big risk because 
you know, your business can disappear overnight. And yeah, so especially after a warning. Yeah, especially after a warning. You know, the question is just, did that warning get to the right people? Like, you know, yeah. I'm not Could sure. Could have gone to like an inbox an agency, that no one reads to. Yeah, or an agency didn't make it up to the CEO that kind yeah. of runs Amazon business. Or maybe it did. And they're like, no, don't worry. We have a good relationship yeah. with these guys. And they're like, actually, uh, the relationship is our, like, you know, we own the power. Here. Yeah, that's our customer. Yeah. Those are our reviews that's and that's right. our customer. That's right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, wow. Okay, well, I want to switch gears to another Amazon business. Okay. Which is called Utopia Betting. Okay. Have you heard of these guys? No. Okay, it's two Pakistani guys. Love it. And I just started reading about them. Uh, it's two brothers and their names are uh, Jabran and Adnan, Okay. Okay. And they moved to the United States in 2005. So they have not been here for two decades. Wow. They started their Amazon business in 2010. And for four years, they they, they were doing it on the side of running full-time jobs as like consultants. Okay. Uh, they're both like software developers. And so they're like, we were just running, uh, we were like real software developers. Our mother was like, you need to start a business to keep dad busy. And so they started selling, like they had a couple, like they, they, uh, they imported some textiles and they tried to sell them. And the first guy they send them to, they're like, okay, send us the money for them. And the guy disappeared. And they're like, oh, oh there wow. goes our money. And the same thing happened the second time. So they had some trouble getting their business going. Today, in 2023, they're the number two seller in Amazon USA. Wow. If they are the number one seller on Amazon Canada. 60% Damn. of their sales are in, US, in the US. 12% of their sales are in Canada. What? And their sales are absolutely insane. 2016, 29 million dollars. 2017, 90 million dollars. 2020, 300. 2021, 400. This year, I've heard that they're trying to do 700 million in revenue. Damn. What are they selling? Linen products, towels and linen and like bedding products. And it's called Utopia Bedding. And wow. um, they're like, we are probably the largest brand for bedding you know, in the world. Damn, they've got some products with 153,000 reviews. That's and nuts. It is nuts. And no one's heard of these guys. And one of these guys- Brooklyn and who? These guys, yeah. So they're like, one of them lives in like Long Island. And, you know, uh, I watched all these like interviews with him and he's wearing a suit and tie. Yeah. Like, you know, he hasn't like left his, he's on the DTC industry and all the interviews I watched with him were on Pakistani things. He's wow. talking to like- this thing like called Open, which it brings together like a bunch of Pakistanis who are successful. Mm -hmm. And a guy's like, hey, here's how I started my business. Here's what I do and all the stuff. So I watched two of these videos. One was in English. The other was in Urdu. Like, uh, wow. I was like, wow, uh, yeah, I get to practice my Urdu. And drink. <laughs> uh, it's not a skill that I'm uh, very good at. The number one seller on Amazon, the number like of the top five sellers on Amazon, four of them are supplement businesses. This is the only non-supplement business. Wow. It is an absolutely bananas business. So 2016, 29 million. Next year, 90 million. Next year, 300 million. Next year, 400 million. That's crazy. I wonder, what, what was the year of, of 90 to 300? It took a few years. 2017, 90 million. 2020, 300 million. So it took three years there. Oh, wow. Yeah, the COVID bomb probably helped them. But then they sustained. Yeah. Because I guess with Amazon, you get to keep your position, your ranking, yeah. authority. It's really- That's the upside of Amazon. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, so he, the, you know, people were like, the guy who was asking him questions was like, would you sell off of Amazon? Do you sell off of Amazon? He's like, 2% of our sales are off of Amazon. Wow. And he's like, uh, it's so much easier to sell on Amazon. Yes, I could master Alibaba- and maybe at, you know, I don't know, Etsy or like eBay, but it would take me, it would take 50% of my time and 50% of my team's time 
to go from 2% to 10%. Yeah. And like, you know, also interesting, he didn't even bring up dot com, just like other marketplaces. That's right. Yeah. So uh, he has this really interesting story that, uh, so he started manufacturing everything in China and then he's like, uh, let me move this all to Pakistan. Nice. Uh, So now everything is manufactured in Pakistan. 80% is manufactured in house. And so when I say in house, I mean literally everything in house. So he manufactures the bedding, yes. But like uh, you know, in pillows, he starts selling pillows. Yeah, he manufactures the uh, the filling of the pillows in house. Wow, he manufactures insert cards, Damn. zippers. I wonder what his polybags. margins are on this. He talks about his margins actually. So what he says is he's like, look, we're going head to head against Amazon on everything. Like you know, everyone's like, a fr- oh, oh no, what happens if Amazon starts making this product? You're selling a laptop stand. Amazon starts making this product. They undercut you. Your business is over. Yeah, you make Allbirds, and Amazon starts selling that product. Right. Uh, you know, it's an inferior product, but they start start selling it at least. So everyone's worried that like it's a race to the bottom, and maybe Amazon will get into these business to this business. This yeah. guy, Adnan is like, I'm gonna beat Amazon at its own business and offer get cheaper pricing than Amazon could possibly get. So he makes polyester. He does the uh, knitting and weaving in-house. He does the cutting and packing in-house. He has his own warehouse and trucking. So he's literally trucking stuff himself. Uh, He has his own truck brokers in-house. He doesn't go to like a freight for, he doesn't look for online and say, I need YRC. He doesn't go online and be like, who's it? Let me find a broker to go find truckers. He's like, my guys get on the phone and get truckers themselves. He makes threads, zippers, poly bags, insert cards. Wow. He's like, we want to start making like uh, looms. We need we needed looms, like water looms, which I don't really understand. But he's like, we needed water looms. And so we went to China and they were like, I don't know if they were 500000 or $5 million a piece. I forget which he said. And he's like, this is too expensive. So we got a water loom and we figured out all the nuts and bolts, every single piece, and we manufactured the loom ourselves. <laughs> So rather than go and buy it, we literally made it ourselves. It's like it was, no and he's way. like, it was as complicated as buying a car, figuring out every piece of the car, and then coming home and build, buying all those pieces separately, and then building it yourself. That is crazy. Um, and so he's like, we are going to that level of vertical integration. And he's like, we rarely work with any partners. Like, you know, we manufacture everything in house, we truck everything in house. Insert. He's like, oh, you know, we have really high quality standards. And he's like, my brother is a software developer. And he's like, my brother is the number one software developer in the world. He's like, you could get the top 10 software developers versus my brother in a hackathon competition. And my brother would be all 10 of these if they were all on the same team. Wow. Um, and he's like, so we have, inc- like, you know, he's like, we've tried to get SAP software. We get, try and buy software and no one does a good job. We have much better software than ev- everyone else. We have our own, like, you know, we used to talk about Fulfill.io, which I'm an investor in. We have our own Fulfill.io system so that we have very little inventory. We know how much inventory, let's say we use, uh, we're making fabric for um, bed sheets, right? Yeah. But that fabric can be used across 600 different items that we have. Like it's cotton. So uh, we know all 600 SKUs that it needs to be in. We know what colors and what dyes it needs to be in. We know how much uh, we're manufacturing of the cotton. We know how much is at Amazon. We know how much is in trucks. We know how much is being made in each dye. So we can say, okay, this is how much cotton we need next week. And these are the dyes we need it in. Uh, wow. And we have custom software to do all of that. That is nuts. And so he's like, uh, we need only half of the raw materials and inventory the competitors have because we're so good at managing inventory. Wow. But we're basically uh, like, you know, one step away from growing our own fucking cotton. Yeah. And so um, that's why we're able to offer these prices. 
I would imagine because their reviews are so high and I mean, they just pop up, they probably barely spend anything on marketing. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely, yeah, exactly. They're the best seller in basically every single betting category possible. Yeah. And this guy just started doing this nine years ago. Wow. Like, you know, nine years and he's, you know, $400 million in sales in 2021. That's insane. And nobody knows about this guy. Yeah. Some Pakistani guy. And I'm like, you need to be like, you know, you need to be everywhere. You're yeah. Pakistan, you know, you need to be the Pakistan yeah, you gotta be repping. the United States. You need to hang out with Joe Biden, Donald Trump, you know, yeah. everybody. And, inst- you know, you need to be a representative of that country yeah, here. Exactly. And instead, you're sitting in Long Island getting more sales. Like, yeah. Now, now. And you're like, doing what Moyes would do. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> you know, now you need to re- become governor of New York. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Do something. And that is so, pretty badass. Yeah, he moved everything from China to Pakistan. No one's ever heard of this guy. The crazy thing is, like, I'm just on their Amazon storefront. It's not like they do anything fancy. Like, the, their font looks like Arial, and they just bold it or they make it thin. Yeah. That's it. What's interesting is there's one piece that I'm not sure I agree with him on. And he's like, we're building a brand of uh, like Utopia is a brand for betting. And at one point Mm. he's like, I think most of the people in the United States might have a Utopia betting product in their house, uh, which is pretty crazy. But I think the reality is that like his brand, maybe he's building a brand, although I don't, you know, I don't know if anyone knows what sheets they sleep on. People aren't like, these are pottery barn sheets or whatever it is, but his brand is certainly low cost and like good quality and low cost. Yeah. And this is exactly what Amazon has always hoped for, I think, as well, which is pure vertical integration where this guy's like, I'm doing everything in-house from right. making a box to a zipper to an insert card so that I can offer you the cheapest prices in the world. Yeah, totally. It looks like they're also on Walmart. Yeah. But they don't have as much engagement there. And then they have their their own site is utopiadeals.com, which is interesting. And that gets a decent amount of traffic, not much, but it looks like an Amazon's, like an older version of an Amazon storefront, their website theme. So uh, he said one is like at some point uh, while the business is growing, they're like, we felt invincible. So what we tried to do is uh, build Amazon in Pakistan. <laughs> and he's like, we spent a million, we lost a million dollars trying to build Amazon. Wow. And he's like, that was our biggest loss. And I was like, you're doing $500 million in sales. You have zero, you know, that doesn't count. Yeah. It's a drop in the bucket. Yeah. Uh, then he's like, we built, we tried to build a mobile game developer studio. And I was like, this is insane. Cause you know, my father was actually in textiles. Like he imported textiles from Bangladesh into the United States. Yeah. Uh, he had his own textile factory in, the, in Bangladesh. Yeah. And you know, we would go, I like, there's a photo of me as a baby in that, like, you know, textile mill. And I think, I'm not entirely sure, but I think the looms were run by a guy riding a bicycle. Oh, like, wow. You know, he was on a bicycle and that made the looms run. Like, you know, he just pedaled the bicycle. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's like this guy did. That's textiles. the biggest loser like, of Bangladesh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it was me doing the wrong. Uh, yeah. This guy did textiles, which my father did. Mobile game developer, which uh, my brother did. And e-commerce, which I, this guy's done it all. Yeah, he's got the five whole stack. Years. And all like, you know, well, certainly the Amazon part, far more successful. Yeah, yeah. I did anything. And it's incredible. Like no one knows of this guy. He's making a fortune. I've never met him. I would also agree with you that I disagree that this is a brand. This is the equivalent of walking into 7-Eleven and grabbing a bottle of water when you're thirsty. Yeah. Not necessarily. I'm going to go seek out this specific bottle of water. 
Yeah, I'm not sure if the brand represents just like low cost bedding and low cost linens or if the like, you know, yeah, I don't think anyone's like I sleep on utopia bedding. But I do think that on Amazon, it represents good quality, low prices, incredibly vertically integrated. Yeah. Uh, so nobody like he's like, look, uh, you know, one of the questions was, how do you compete with Amazon? The guy asked him and he's like, I answered this question. We literally do everything in house. We save three to five percent because we do our own trucking. So there's no broker there. We make our own insert cards. We make our own bags. We make our own zippers. That saves us another one percent. And he's talking about like competing with Amazon Basics or like yeah, their own brands. That's right. yeah. Amazon's own brands. He's like, wow. we need to compete with Amazon and be cheaper than Amazon. And wow. this is how you do it. And he's like, uh, we thorough, we think that no matter where you are. No matter where you make betting, we can beat your price. We can basically do a better job than you can do because we're in Pakistan. The labor is cheap, real estate is cheap, and the labor talent is hardworking and good. Yeah. And so uh, we don't care where you are, we're going to beat you. Yeah. Amazon has 17% of the number of ratings that Utopia does. Wow. For their yeah, betting. Same product. Battle. But the vertical integration was the craziest. And look, also made me realize I'm playing checkers in so many ways where I'm like, so many of us are, we're like, we need to, we're trying to get to, you know, 25, $50 million. And we're trying to do just marketing, marketing, marketing. Yeah. And he's like, no, uh, like, you know, and I, I think that I always thought that like, you know, I'm always like, that's the only way to win. You're never going to be able to compete on price. Like I always thought Dollar Shave Club was a big mistake because I'm like, you're trying to compete on price. You're never going to be able to win that war. Right. You need to compete on like, product quality. Right. And this guy is like, no, I can compete on price and I'm going balls to the wall at getting the cheapest price possible by literally doing everything in-house. That's crazy. Um, Did he mention like where he sees the next Amazon being built? Like where's the next place that traffic is getting big? Yeah. He, he mentioned, he is like, um, you know, there is room in like Amazon Japan and Amazon, like, you know, he's like, there is just international basically. Countries. Yeah. Because uh, he's like, 60% of our business is US, 12% is Canada, number two in US, number one in Canada. For betting now, he's actually number one. And they don't even run ads because they just still show Wait, up in the top yeah. row. Yeah, yeah. And look, you know, there's so many reviews. Like if I saw these things, I'd be like, who should I get? This guy's a little bit more expensive and has yeah. 400 reviews or this guy has 200 fucking thousand reviews. <laughs> like, of course I'm going to get, the, yeah. you know, it's orders of magnitude yeah. higher uh, and cheaper. Yeah. And like, you know, if you're on Amazon, you're probably like, I'm, you know, you're not like, I'm looking for the mo nicest bedding in the world. I'm not looking for like, you know, Ritz Carlton sheets. Yeah, I'm no, you just like, need sheets. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. for sheets that are good, but that yeah. are, you know, priced reasonably. Right. Um, and so he, he is like, there will be another Amazon. He's like, but like, you know, we don't know what that looks like today. And right now, Amazon is so dominant. We continue to lean in rather than lean out. And, wow. Um, you know, that's one of the things that I also liked about what he said, which uh, he, he was like, Everyone's like, you need to diversify off of Facebook because it's your greatest vulnerability. And that's true, but it's also your greatest strength. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this guy is like tripled and quadrupled and quintupled down on his greatest strength and said, you know, vulnerability or not, I believe in Amazon. And if Amazon removes my product one day, you know, yes, I will lose a ton of sales, but maybe so will Amazon. Right. I'm just going to abide by the rules and win on price and quality. And like, we have high standards for quality and high standards for keeping a low price. And that's a win-win between Amazon and him. That's amazing. What a great story. Yeah, it's these two brothers. I couldn't believe it. I was like, he's probably a billionaire by now. I would guess yes. The other thing that it makes me think is like, um, <clears throat> when I hear stories like this, on a personal note, I'm like, wow, this the feeling of envy never leaves me. Yeah. You know, th this guy is making more money than I am and has more money. And I'm like, wow, I need to build a bigger business. And I'm like, 
you know, I'm not sure if that's the right thing that I want in my life right now. Right. And uh, like uh, that feeling. Yeah. I yeah. like, you know, the feel, like, no, no, just like chasing, uh, you know, the next dollar. Got like, it. Chasing more and more money. Yeah. But like that feeling of envy is something that's very hard for me to control. Like when I see something like this, I'm like, wow, this, you know, usually I'm like, oh, it was, you know, I had all these, di- you know, we had disadvantages or whatever it was. Yeah. This guy came to America less than 20 years ago. Yeah. Started a business five years after that. He was a consultant. He still has a Pakistani accent and he has a $500 million business. And yeah. I'm like uh, from a personal side, I'm both incredibly proud that a Pakistani can do this. It inspires me, but also there's that little bit of envy that I wish I could get rid of internally. Yeah. Like, I, I don't totally, know I, I know that feeling. Yeah. You're, just, you're just like, damn, why, what am I doing wrong? Yes. Or like, what are all the things that I'm doing wrong that this guy avoided? And why did he avoid it better than I avoided it? Yeah. And it's also like, why couldn't that be me? Oh, yeah. my life would be so much better. Yeah. Like, yeah. Know, it's even... I think your questions are better questions than the ones I asked myself. Your questions are like, how can I improve? Sure. Mine are like, oh man, uh, not life is unfair, but like, fuck, I yeah. wish that was me. Yeah. And um, I don't know why. I don't know why I still have that feeling and can't get rid of it. I thought by now, you know, I'm closing in on 40. I've made enough money where I don't need to worry about that really. Yeah. And I still have that like uh, feeling and I don't know how anyone ever gets rid of it. I feel like you don't like, I think even interviews I've heard with billionaires, they're just like, they still have that too. Yeah. I feel like Like, you, there's never enough. Yeah. I think that's probably the reason they got to be billionaires. Yeah. And probably the reason they're kind of (laughs) miserable. Yeah. Agreed. But I feel like you don't have that. I don't think that you feel like uh, that way. Yeah, well, uh, sometimes I, I'm like, damn, why didn't my parents buy real estate <laughs> 50 years ago or, or whenever they came? Or like in California. Yeah, but then I'm also like, all right, well, this is, uh, like I always think, okay, this is, it's somewhat of an advantage to not have that. And I think also, then I think, okay, well, my kids will be the ones that say, you know, blah, blah, blah. One of the reasons I love chatting with you is that you don't, like, even the way you're framing it, you're like, I wish my uh, parents had bought all this real estate, which obviously makes a lot of sense. And then you're like, oh, my kids are going to be happy because I worked really hard. Yeah. I'm much more vicious and, like, jealous. Yeah. And that's a really bad emotion. And I thought um, making money would get rid of it when I see other people with money. Right. And, like, I'm working uh, to try and stop feeling that way. Uh, But it is, like, I don't know how people stop feeling it. And it's... It's hard. And like a lot of people I interact with, I can feel feel it towards me if they're yeah. like just starting out their business. And uh, the reason I wanted to mention this is because I was like, I hope that they don't, I hope they start working on it much sooner than I started working on it. Because it's yeah. important, like, you know, you're not going to be happy when you sell, like selling your business will give you the same moment of satisfaction that like, you know, making out with a girl that you really like is going to get you or yeah. having a fantastic dinner. Like it'll give you a day or a couple days of satisfaction. like, And then you know, everything goes back to normal. Yeah, then everything goes back to normal. Yeah. One of my favorite interviews, I know this is about e-commerce, but one of my favorite interviews is with Tom Brady, and I think he's on 60 Minutes, and he's just won his like, second Super Bowl. He's 27 years old. And they're like, how do you feel? And he's like, is this it? He's like, that, that's how I felt when I won my second Super Bowl. I was like, this is it again? Wow. Like, I, this is what it takes. To, like, I'm number one. I'm 27 years old. What the hell am I supposed to do with my life now? Yeah. Uh, I already won the championship you guys aren't that good. I'm very good. (laughs) And, you know, he's like, I keep winning more and this is it. So I hope that like people who are listening and sort of have that same feeling that I'm describing, which is, um, you know, not a feeling that I think anyone is proud of, but something that we all have and sort of 
put it behind a bunch of walls. Yeah. Uh, I hope people start working on that because uh, you're not going to get like it's worth getting rid of. Like it's worth getting rid of more than building your businesses because it's what's going to make you happy and not the not becoming Adnan. Yeah, no, totally. You can't just rely on paid social and PPC for growth. Hundreds of brands like True Classic, Daily Harvest and Manscaped have turned to TV advertising using Tatari's platform and they're absolutely crushing their acquisition goals. Many of my own clients at Hooks also use Tatari. We use them while I was at Native 2, and I can tell you that their team is awesome and the measurement is just like digital. So you'll see site visits, purchases, or even installs from TV. Check out their three-minute video at tatari.tv slash limited supply. Okay, last thing I want to chat about, Twinkies. Hostess was sold to Smuckers. Mm-hmm. So Hostess was uh, went bankrupt twice and then was bought like about in 2012 or 2013 by Apollo and uh, Metropolis, which is a private equity firm. It's named after this guy named Metropolis. Mm-hmm. He was also responsible for buying Ghirardelli and Paps Blue Ribbon. So this guy had had some experience buying brands and bringing it out of bankruptcy. He bought Hostess with Apollo for $410 million. They just sold it for a 10x that amount for $4.6 billion to Smuckers. Uh, there was this article about in the Wall Street Journal, and it was really interesting. So he ta- starts talking about how the, the article was a little bit about how Twinkies were born. That, uh, And I'll give you two seconds how Twinkies were born. They were born because the, this company was manufacturing shortcakes with strawberry filling. And the CEO of the company was like, we can only get strawberries in the summer, but we can get bananas year round. So we're going to manufacture huh. these shortcakes and put banana in them. And then World War II came around and bananas started getting rationed. You couldn't get bananas when you wanted. So they started putting vanilla in it. And that's how the modern Twinkie was born. Wow. These guys bought it in 2012. In 2004, before their first bankruptcy, Hostess had 34,000 employees. Today, they've got 3,000 employees. Wow. Significant decrease in staffing. Uh, But here is the magic. Basically, what happened is that Twinkies would only last, they'd only be good for 26 days based on how they were made. Mm-hmm. So this private equity firm bought it. And with, and so as a result, they were only good for 26 days. So Hostess was like, we have Twinkies. Everyone loves Twinkies. Walmart wants Twinkies. Your convenience store in Bodega wants Twinkies, but it's only good for 26 days. And that short lifespan means we need to deliver every week. Yeah, We make today, which is a s- Sunday. We deliver on Tuesday or Wednesday. That's already three days into the lifespan. Or you know, maybe we deliver next week. That's seven days into the lifespan. Right. There's only two weeks left in the lifespan. And so we can't send it to like a distribution facility or something. We need to deliver it right when we make it. Right. And and so as a result, we need a massive footprint of Twinkie sellers everywhere. Huh. Uh, so they had hostess trucks all over the country delivering to convenience stores, Walmarts, all over the place. In the same way that, if, you know, if you're selling milk or bread or eggs or like, you know, meat into a, a grocery store, you probably yeah. need to be close to that grocery store because it won't go, it won't be uh, good for very long. Right. Uh, these guys, what they did is they started using an enzyme and mold inhibitor technology. So basically they made the Twinkie even more artificial uh, to adjust the moisture of the product. And they extended the shelf life of the Twinkie from 26 days to 65 days. Wow. So now instead of it going bad in you know three and a half weeks, you've got two months. I can hear Justin Mayer's crying right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so now they're like, we don't need to deliver every single fucking Walmart ourselves, Yeah, we can send it to the Walmart distribution center. And the Walmart distribution center can send it to each individual Walmart because there's plenty of shelf life. Similarly, we don't need to deliver- Is that where most of their employees were in the distribution? 
Actually, I'm not sure. It's possible. But they also said that they shut down a ton of their factories. Okay, got These it. guys were like, you know, pre-bankruptcy, these guys were just operating in a really poor way. So got I think it. they went from like 15 factories to three factories. Okay, got it. But like one of the reasons that they could have three factories now is they're like, we can just sh- send to a distribution center. Before you need a lot of factories because you're like, I need something near California. Right. I need something in my, like, you know, near Minnesota. I need something in Florida. I need something like, because it's only got a 20 day shelf life. I can't spend three days in transit and then sell another. Then I'm already, you know, down to a w- two weeks left. Yeah. And so now they're like, we we can go to distribution centers. Where it's easier to serve convenience stores, especially convenience stores in the middle of nowhere. Like, let's say you're a convenience store in Wyoming. Before, they were like, we can't deliver to you every week. There's not enough convenience. Or there's not enough de- de- density here. Yeah. Now they're like, we can mail it to you. We can give it to another guy who's already right. supplying you other stuff. And 40% of their sales are in convenience stores. Wow. Um, and so they sold to uh, Smuckers, which I thought was so interesting. I was like, they're like, this was the key. We basically re, uh, made the shelf life of our products longer, and that changed the business. And so they sold to Smuckers. You know, uncr- like Smuckers is like we're investing big in our stacking business. Yeah, it's got eight hundred million dollars a year in sales and Uncrustables, for example, just in one brand. It's, yeah, and un- you know, Uncrustables. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uncrustables. They're like, we'll do eight hundred million dollars in sales. That's in crazy. This year. Yeah, they also have uh, the Smuckers Jam, the Jif Peanut Butter. Yeah, Milk Bone Folgers. Yeah. Yeah, smoking wow. is big, and they're trying to get more into snacking. And so I thought this was a really interesting way that they were like getting into it. Like they paid a lot of money for for Hostess, but Hostess has done this incredible job of sort of being like, we're now. Uh, they, they, they've also like started doing innovation with products again. They have like these Twinkie balls, and they're uh-huh. like they're meant to be eaten in two quick bites. But their number one seller is like a powdered donut still. Wow. Anyway, I thought this was really interesting for a few reasons. One, how like their operations transform their business. Yeah. And the other thing, uh, the other reason I found it really interesting is because I feel like there's been a trend away from, I think this is happening in personal care and beauty as well, away from clean. Like these guys are like yeah. leaning into sugar. Yeah, I was just thinking, this is why Ozempic keeps doing better. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, they're like, we're leaning into sugar because people like sugar again. They, yeah. They're, they're like, maybe we'll have fewer treats, but we want the classics. And I think, you know, I talked to Mary Berry about this a while ago. We had dinner and she's like, um, in personal care, she's like, what I've seen is that people are no longer all about natural ingredients. They're yeah. leaning into efficacy again, right. not natural. They want science. And so I thought that was really interesting because I was like, I wonder if that's what's happening here. Are we sort of like enough with the snack well, zero fat, zero sugar, tastes like garbage snack? Right. And back into the, okay, I'll just have one really terrible for you donut, but I want one that tastes good. Like enough Halo Top. Yeah. Give me Ben and Jerry's, but give me like, I'll have a small amount of Ben and Jerry's instead of a whole tub of Halo Top. Yeah. I feel like also there's going to be more brands playing in the middle. There's like, you know, Doritos, which is on one side. And then there's kale chips on the other side, which taste like shit <laughs> yeah. or just any of these like yeah. better for you snacks, which tastes so bad. But I think there's going to be a healthy middle, which is like, yeah, it's going to be some calories. It's not going to be you know, like there's a, a good gummy brand that just came out, Blocks, B-L-O-X, which I invested in. And they have- uh, It's like f- gummy bears? Yeah, exactly. Little gummies. They're a fraction of like what traditional gummies are, but they're not zero calories, zero sugar either. Yeah. They're somewhere in the middle and they taste no amazing. Weak. Yeah, they're not weak gummies. <laughs> <laughs> they're children's gummies. Okay, gotcha. Um, yeah, which actually brings me to the next idea here that I had, which is that I don't know if you've seen the same, but I feel like fundraising has, you know how there's like uh, when when they talk about the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer, 
in fundraising, the brands that really had lesser of a chance are having almost closer to zero chance of fundraising. And on the flip side, the brands that we're going to do well anyways are getting their fundraising done even faster. Uh, well, let me dive into that with Blocks then. How do they get in touch with you first? Uh, so Blocks is made by uh, Night Ventures, which is the same team behind Feastables, who we worked with to launch the Feastables brand. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so they reach out to you and they're like, hey, we're launching this new brand. Do you want to invest? And was it like, hey, you're going to like, did you put cash in or are you like, hey, we're just, I'm just going to do all this stuff for free or for a lower amount and then I'll get it to share? Cash. Okay. But we did give some stuff in there too. And that was more so to uh, just try to keep them happy, basically. Yeah. Did you invest in them because you really believe in the night team? You really like the product? Or tell me like what, tell me your thesis. Yeah, so two things. So I, had, I hadn't yeah. tried the product. In yeah. fact, it was a juice box. So when it launched, it was supposed to be juice boxes. But then that led to its own supply chain issues. And they pivoted to gummies, which oh, exploded yeah, for yeah, the yeah. business. Oh, yeah, yeah. You so, showed me this, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the reason I liked it was actually what the punchline was here, which is the celebrity-led brands that show a path to retail almost get funded within like less than seven days. Yeah. And they have so much overflow. Uh, there's another one that I'll tell you uh, the name of later, but it's a small beverage, like a canned beverage, with a, a deal from Walmart already. The company name has just been established. They just got the logo done and refined. And Walmart's already said, we're, we're buying this many millions of product next year. And um, like this round, you know, had an overflow of sure. millions of dollars sure. of people who wanted to get in. Um, and there's a celebrity associated. There's a celebrity associated. But had there not been a celebrity associated, they wouldn't get the Walmart deal. They, they probably get wouldn't get all the, yeah, they wouldn't yeah. get the funding. And then there's a lot of other companies I've seen where I talked to them six to eight months ago. Uh, they said they were raising. I, I never put the check in because I didn't personally want to. But you know, then I got an update recently saying, "Oh, we're actually we're we're not fundraising anymore. Like we're just not going to fundraise. We can't fundraise. Uh, we're going to try again at a later time." Yeah, yeah. I do think that like you know, celebrity brands with a path to retail, a clear path to retail, seem to do incredibly well. Yeah, or at least have like a good. I should say at least have good bones to start, right? Like right. You're just like, okay, we're going to sell in retail. Uh, there's a celebrity behind it. She's going to go to Sephora and make it huge or go to Walmart. And Walmart's going to love that because it's good PR when Sophia, like, you know, from Faraga goes to Walmart. Right. And like, you know, people are like, oh, look, this rich, amazing, beautiful celebrity is at Walmart shopping. Right. Uh, Walmart's so great. So I think Walmart likes it. Sophia's like, great, I got my product. So I understand why that. Yeah, happens. and Walmart's been doing a ton of these like celebrity or influencer brand deals lately. Yeah. And I think they sort of see it as a way to make their brand cool again also among younger shoppers. Yeah. Like it's a huge sales play, but I think it's also their brand team is probably going gangbusters over it. Yeah. And they also put, at least for some of these brands, they put like a 12-month exclusivity before you can say, all right, I'm going to Target, 7-Eleven, Kroger, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when, after we got into, Nate, uh, after Native got into Target, uh, we did a short exclusivity period with them, which yeah. was six months. And then like, um, you know, one of their uh, executives was like, we need to make sure exclusivities are much longer moving forward. Like, yeah. you know, Harry's, Native. Did they try to guys. buy you in for more? No, but like what we did do is we're like, you're our like, you know, there was an unsaid, when we have new innovation, we come to you first. Mm, and, I see. Because uh, you're the, like, you know, 
Native resonates with this uh, with tar- with this brand more than anybody. Like Native what did what did you that. see as like the big like uh, your top three wholesale accounts? What did you see as the difference in the shopper personas? Um, massive. Uh, so like you know, uh, let's say between Walmart and Target. Yeah. Like you know, we're we were well prepared for this because like Secret Clinical, which also is like our price point. Yeah. They're like, look, we do well at four hundred or five hundred WalMarts. I forgot how many it was, and they're like, we don't do well at any of the other ones. And how many WalMarts are there? 4,400. Okay. So they're like, we do well 400 and we do not much sales in 4,000. Yeah. And like, I get it because there, there are Walmarts and zip codes where like the average per capita income is 20, 50, 20, $25,000 per year, you know? Yeah. And so it's hard to be able to swing for a $12 deal rent then. And so we did in, there's eight, there were 1,800 targets we were in and, you know, this is all public information. So I'm not like, you know, it's all on Nielsen. We were doing like, um, Shoot, I can't remember. A million dollars a week, I think, in retail sales. Wow. Across those eighteen hundred locations. And in Walmart, we were in double the amount. Forty we were in four thousand two hundred, like double the number of targets, and we were doing half the sales. Wow. So Target was four X more productive, basically, than Walmart was. One of the things that we were always trying to avoid was Costco. Why? Because we knew that Costco would sort of say, We need way cheaper pricing than everybody. This sells for twelve. Yeah, they'll just want to negotiate you hard up front. They'll be like, okay, uh, you know, give it to us at whatever price you sell to everybody else at, and we're going to sell it for cheaper. So we're going to put these three units in. You sell, even you sell them up for $30 on your own website, we're going to be $25. Then it would cause a pricing more. <laughs> you know what's funny? Did you pre-order your iPhone on Friday? Yeah, no, no, uh, yeah actually. Okay. Yeah, I did sure too. That. My mom texted me yesterday at Costco. Like <laughs> She's like, look, it's $200 cheaper on Costco. The, the iPhone Pro Max 15. Is it? Yeah. Fuck, I know. <laughs> Costco is so Costco, good. Yeah, they're just so good. Uh, that's incredible. I might cancel my order now yeah. and reorder from Costco. $200 a yeah, lot. It's a good amount. What color did you get? Black. Yeah, me too. I wanted yeah. to look. I feel like I normally always go for the new color. And then I just, after it comes two weeks later, I'm like, why didn't I, I just yeah, get black? Yeah, I almost got white. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to regret it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Black. Um, yeah. Yeah, I uh, uh, so we were always trying to avoid Costco because we're like, this is going to create a pricing war. Yeah. They're going to be $25, then Walmart's going to say, we need this for $25, then Amazon's going to be like, we need this for $25. And basically, if you get into Costco, you've ruined your whole business. Yeah. So we tried to avoid Costco, believe it or not, although I think it is an incredible chain. Like, if I could get into Costco, for, if I was a new brand, I might go into Costco first, especially if I had not been in retail. I'm uh, like getting new, like, you know, great brand awareness, uh, people like- Costco is a target shopper who's buying for a bigger family. Right. Yeah. And um, fully agreed. And they make, like Costco is like Amazon, except you deliver it to your own house. But right. and you care more about like the brand. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, and so uh, you know, I would have loved to get into Costco. Uh, one of our competitors did, Schmitz did. And I think there was only like three for thirteen dollars. And we did the math and we're like, you know, probably cost you two dollars a stick. Yeah. You've got six dollars here, plus you have to create this blister pack. Basically, all three, like, you know, no one buys it's probably three break even. Right. You gotta like, yeah, exactly. And so we're like, this is no there's no margin in here. Right. What are you doing? And anyway, uh, so I think Costco would have been tough. Uh but um so you invest in this business. Is it how many direct direct consumer businesses have you invested in this year? Are you like this year all, a yeah. lot less? A, yeah. Maybe uh-huh. maybe less than ten. Okay. I, yeah. See, that's a lot. Yeah. You're doing a deal a month still. Yeah. Why have you invested in fewer this year than last year? Well, one, I think there's less good ideas yeah. that have come. I think also my my sense of what's a good idea has gotten a lot more refined. Yeah. I just generally think, I think like because there is less funding happening here, 
there is less people that are saying, I'm going to try to go build a big business here. And so I think that's one part of it. And I think the other part is majority of the things have already been tried. Like there's not a lot of things that haven't been tried. And so now I think the reason like celebrity brands come up a lot more is like that is your edge when selling something that somebody else has already tried. I invest in Magic Spoon in a similar way. Like uh, it was going to be a cereal business. It wasn't going to be something else. Yeah. I think it was like pre-product or maybe they'd sent me a bag and I was like, you know, it was pre-production. And so they're like, it was quite media. Like they were like, look, we're working on it. So, but here's like something so that you can see what it like, you know, that we're not, not working on it. Yeah. I was like, that's fair. And I really liked that the guys were second time founders. Right. I love second time founders because you don't have to figure out what is Clavio? Should I be? Yeah, they've Clavio? made all the mistakes. Yeah, yeah. They're they've like worked with all the bad agencies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they can like vet. They're like you know they'll be like Critio email the first time founder and be like, hey, we're gonna get we're gonna get you four thousand sales for four dollars tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And a first time founder will be like, let me email you back and say, well, how are you gonna do this? Yeah. And a second time founder will reply back, go fuck yourself. Exactly. Like, you know? uh, don't talk to me. Yeah. And so I love second time founders, and I also loved the idea. I think idea matters more than it does for a lot of other people. Like I yeah. do like secondhand value. I agree. I, I do love the idea part. I feel like though there's a lot of companies where I'm like, that that was an amazing idea, but the founder, he didn't have it in him to like go and grind and make it happen. Yeah. And I think that's another thing I look for is like, how hard is this guy gonna grind or this woman gonna grind? Yeah. Like Steph, for example, she grinds. You know, like she's in Figma designing emails for campaigns herself sometimes. Yeah. Or like on the factory floor. But like if, uh, you know, a big red flag is people who think being a founder is like a, a cool job to have or an exciting thing. Like, oh, I'm going to get press. I got to set up my Instagram account. I don't want to back that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it requires uh, effort. And yeah. yeah. Like, you know, getting your hands really dirty. Yeah. Especially when you're small. Like, you know, Steve Jobs doesn't need to get his hands dirty. You need to get your hands right, dirty. Yeah. If you get to Steve Jobs level, you won't have to either. But like let's not like fake it right now. You need to get your hands dirty. Somebody asked me like last week, uh, what's it like running a business? And I was like, you have the best day about four times a day and then the worst day seven times a day. <laughs> and that happens every day. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a roller coaster, not uh, you know, week by week, but no, day, yeah, hour, hour by hour. hour. Yeah. I think the other thing about um, fundraising for direct consumer businesses is that there have not been a lot of D2C businesses that have proven to be venture scalable. Like these days, yeah, also like, okay, if you're raising a series A or a series B, let's say, uh, I was going to say, God forbid, but let's say you're raising a series B or an A, you know, you're like, okay, we're $20 million in. There's right. a lot of pref. A lot of these businesses should sell for $50 million or $75 million. Yeah. Like, is that a good, there's a lot of risk to double my uh, money. And I'm not uh, like, you know, I'm like, I'm not sure if it's worth all that risk to double my money. Um, yeah. Like, you know, there's a risk reward ratio to all of these things. And so if you're just going to double it, it's not that great. When I can get five and a half percent from a U.S. Treasury, I can invest in real estate and maybe get seven or eight percent. Well, like if, yeah. After you told me about the Treasury stuff, every time I look at an investment, I'm like, I'd rather farm for five percent. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's in, you know, the US government is, is the, like, right now, that's a very, high, very high interest rate. Yeah. And, um, you know, it doesn't look like it's going down anytime soon. So, look, that's why, you know, two years ago when interest rates were 0%, you're like, I need to put money into the, right. like, you know, in all of these companies. Now you're like, well, I can get 5% doing nothing with no risk. Yeah. You have to be, like, you know, if you're going to double my money in five years, 
the government's going to double my money in 20 years, but like probably less than that. Like, yeah. You know, like something else a lot, you know. So direct consumer businesses have not proven venture scalable. Very few have proven venture scalable. Yeah, very, very few. The other thought uh, that comes to mind too is a lot of the funds that were known for investing and in some of the early, early winners have almost gotten so big that a $5 million check means nothing to them. That's right, yeah. yeah. And they need outcomes that are half a billion dollar outcomes or more than that. Yeah. To even be worth the investment. So they don't even invest in a lot of things. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, uh, that's absolutely right. Like there was a great example when we were trying to fundraise, I really like Navron. Navron reached out to me and was like, uh, this woman who was, I think an associate at the time, her name's Anargia. She reached out to me and was like, hey, uh, I see your brand. Uh, let's hang out and uh, talk about your brand. Yeah. And I was like, how the fuck did you hear about us? <laughs> we don't tell anybody. Like, yeah. you didn't hear it from me and I, I don't talk. I don't say anything. I keep my mouth padlocked. How did you hear about us? And she's like, you know, I look, this is my job. I was like, I cannot believe you found out about us. Yeah. And she's like, we want to invest, like, you know, I think they were like, we want to invest in this business. I was like, no, nobody. Uh, I was like, I'm not ready to like raise money right now. At some point that changed. I went to um, another uh, VC fund who I'm not going to name. And I pitched them. And I remember showing them my deck. I, like, you know, it's just me and the partner in her office. I pulled up my laptop. I was like, here's my deck. And I showed her our revenue and our revenue was like, you know, climbing, obviously. And she's like, this is cumulative revenue. So basically every month is stacked on top of each other. And I was like, no, this is monthly revenue. Yeah. Every month we're growing the business. This isn't like add every month together to get this thing. And so I, I was like, no, this is monthly revenue. Wow. And then I was just silent. Yeah. And so I was like, should I end Shut the, the laptop, right walk out? <laughs> so uh, that woman was like, okay, we're ready to invest and we'll invest $3 million at a $30 million valuation or $30 million at a $300 million valuation. Huh. We'll give you either valuation you want, which is, you know, 10x one versus the other. And she's like, if you take the three, you can sell for 60, 90, probably the next year or two. Go home. We'll all be happy. If you take the 30, you've got to work here for five more years. And I like really appreciated her bluntness. Yeah. Because I wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like she, you know, it's very clear the valuations were sort of arbitrary. She was willing to offer me 30 or 300. Right. And then she's like, but if you take the 300, you have to work here and you've got to make this a billion dollar business. You know, you can't go home at 500. Yeah. And I was like, that's fucking crazy. I couldn't believe it. And, um, I was like, I don't, I'm not sure if I want to work here for five more years. And I, you know, I didn't want to, I think. And um, I was like, you know, $3 million isn't going to do anything for us. So why would I take the, th- yeah. I, I don't need the, th- I don't want the three and I don't want the 300. Right. Uh, so um, we didn't end up raising it from her, uh, but I really appreciated that bluntness. I feel like a lot of people are like, how are these valuations made up? They're often just made up like that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, people who are like, this is what it's going to require for you from you. Yeah. On the other hand, all these companies that raised at like a hundred valuation doing, you know, a hundred thousand in revenue are basically falling apart. Yes. I, I don't know who was. I, I think somebody tweeted out that like 40% of unicorns need to raise a down round and yeah. 60% of unicorns need to go out of business. Did you see Instacart's down round? I saw that they're going public at like a seven or $10 billion valuation. Right? Yeah. Their valuation went down 40%. Yeah. Um, Stripes went down a lot. A lot of these guys. And, and like Instacart, the, I think they said they have like $700 million in ad revenue. Yeah. Which is crazy. That's nuts. Uh, I got to like verify that amount, but I think that's what I remember seeing. Yeah. Stripe though, Stripe is like real estate. Like you'll still, you know, in real estate, yeah. you're like, you still have the roof over your head. You have the asset. Stripe is always going to be processing those cards. And I wonder how much they care about valuation. 
not only is it real estate, it's like real estate in Manhattan. You're like, yeah. it might go up or down, but it's sooner or later it'll yeah, go it's up. It's going to keep Everybody going. Everybody will like, ooh, it's going to come back. Yeah. So yeah, I agree with you. But like, yeah, a lot of these uh, SaaS businesses are like dead men walking. Yeah, they can't agreed. raise again because they've raised a too high valuation. Yeah, and like you and I looked at a deal, uh, and we, I won't name the business. And you know, they were like, "Hey, yeah, we want uh, twenty twenty valuations." Right, and we're like, uh, you know, I was like, "This is insane!" Insane. Yeah, I was like, you know, you're asking for a hundred x or like you know fifty x ARR. I, yeah, I can't get there. Yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, I, I like for me, valuations matter. I'm not just like, okay, this is going to be the guy that wins. I'm like, valuations matter. How am I going to 10X this money? If I have to 10X right. my money and you have to 200X your business, yeah. to, for me to 10X my Doesn't money. Doesn't make any yeah, sense. I'm not sure that's, oh, I don't if that's going to happen. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's a wrap for uh, episode seven. Thanks for joining us. See ya. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next time to cut through the noise in CPG, retail, and e-commerce. And if you enjoyed this episode, then why not share it with a friend? And be sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss the next one. 